This podcast is brought to you by Stonely, an interactive guidance platform for self-serve support. Deflect tickets, decrease costs, and delight customers with beautiful step-by-step guides that can be embedded anywhere. Hey everyone, welcome back to Beyond the Queue. I'm your host, Meredith Metzger, and this week I'm excited to welcome Pam Dodrill, Vice President of Customer Support and Success at Zapier. In this episode, I talk with Pam about the Zapier support team's motto of keeping support weird. Pam shares the four tenets that help her team stay weird and authentic at work, how that helps them maintain a high CSAT, and how keeping support weird has led to the support team having the highest employee engagement scores and some of the lowest attrition rates in the entire company. Hey everyone, welcome back to Beyond the Queue. Today I am very excited to welcome Pam Dodrell. She's the Vice President of Customer Support and Success at Zapier. Pam, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Meredith. I'm really excited about the conversation. Me too. So um, on that note, I have heard that you kind of have a certain motto at Zapier that guides the way you lead your support team. So to get us started, could you just first tell me what that motto is and then tell us uh, what it means to you? Sure. Keeping support weird is definitely our motto. It was part of my interview process was a requirement to make sure (laughs) come in and keep support weird. And it doesn't really have a clear cut definition. I did a LinkedIn post about it when I started and I was a little cheeky and said, if you, if I have to explain what that means, you wouldn't understand. For us, it's more of a mindset really. And inevitably when you assemble a passionate, curious, and most importantly, supportive group of people and give them room to do their work in their way, it just happens naturally. We give our customer champions room, not only to interact with customers, but to have some time out of the queue to work on special projects. Those projects contribute to the betterment of the support org. So there's a a sense of ownership and empowerment in making just the operation itself be better. And it also contributes to their career development. So I think it feeds their own career growth. And that also helps people just feel empowered and, and be their best authentic selves at work. We believe that it's something people are naturally born with and are passionate about to be curious and compassionate and support one another. And in a support org, you just really want to make sure you get all of that from your team and, and give them the, the framework in which that they can. Yeah, I love that. I imagine it's especially important for a high empathy type of team like support. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what the, if I have to explain this, you wouldn't understand cheeky line was about because it's a natural personality profile, I guess, for support people. Yeah, I've definitely kind of figured that out doing the interviews for this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So for you, I'm curious, in your opinion, why is it important to keep support weird? Well, I think fundamentally for me, If you want to take good care of your customers, you get to them by taking good care of your team. Happy team takes care of customers and makes them happy. And I can give some anecdotes as to why I've seen the opposite of that work, but we'll focus on the positive. And I think that the importance of it is that I want everybody to show up every day and feel good about that their work, the work that they're doing and to feel like they can be authentic at work. And I don't mean just show up and you know display whatever it is you're feeling. I mean, show up as your best authentic self. And by providing an environment where people can be weird and it's accepted means that authenticity can come through. Okay, 
Love that. So now that we've kind of talked about, you know, what it means to keep support weird, how exactly do you go about doing that with your team? <laughs> there, you know, you'll probably get 50 different answers from 50 different people about this, but I have my own opinions on them. We have four different pillars that we really think about. You can bring and be yourself with customers and colleagues without judgment. So for example, when you're replying to or collaborating with a customer on an issue that they're having, use your own words. Don't use canned responses. Make your own versions of what might be quick replies if you have quick replies, but remain authentic in your communications. If you're a happy person, feel free to put a smiley emoji in. If you're not that super happy person, still be nice, but don't include the smiley emoji because that's not authentic to you. One of the other things that we hold as the pillars that we're all humans and we make mistakes. So part of how we do that here at Zapier is growth through feedback is one of our core values and it is well lived. It's in our bloodstream. And sometimes it's hard to get used to, if I'm honest. Feedback here is actually meant to help each other grow. Um, it's meant to help you improve. It's not meant to be punitive. So we create a, a safe environment for people to make mistakes and not feel like when they got the feedback that they've done something terribly wrong, but that they made a mistake and now they know and they can do something different the next time. And I think that's been really critical to um, keeping support weird also. A big thing for us is we make sure we hire people who care about helping customers and each other and Zapier succeed. Like all those things need to come into place. So there is accountability to our customers and the responses that we give to them, both in time and quality and making sure that we're satisfying what it is that they're looking for. Within our own team, our the special projects I was talking about earlier that the team works on when they're outside of their queue hours our operations team is created and helps keep the entire team accountable for those projects that they're working on, making sure there's transparency that we're working on them, that they're being delivered on time and they're scoped well. And there is a lot of our customer champions driving those projects outside of their queue time versus just support ops doing all of the work, which I think really means as a customer champion, I know that I'm taking care of my customer I know that I'm contributing to projects that are taking care of me and my peers. And I know that as I'm contributing to those projects, I'm helping Zapier get better. So we've really been able to put our arms around all of that. And I think there's one more piece to this pillar that's important to call out that I haven't explained yet is that part of um, the team being able to contribute both to interacting with customers in the queue and that outside of queue project work is that we do run a lower utilization rate so that the team has time to invest in their own development. And one of the things from a business perspective that that also contributes to is it means we have to hire less operations people, right? We don't have to build a huge operations team and we can keep a lot of things moving. Um, so I think there's a benefit to the business there also. And then I think the fourth pillar really is that you want our customer champions want to work in an environment where having fun is encouraged and it helps keep morale up. And I'll give you some examples of that. And the first thing that comes to mind is just allow yourself to be goofy. Just be goofy and break the tension that comes with trying to help customers. Those are serious things going on for our customers. And sometimes you need to be able to blow off some steam and have fun. So, for example, our channels in Slack are filled with hilarious good morning GIFs, GIFs, whatever you want to call them, especially when our Asia Pacific team comes online. I love just watching the Slack channel because it's just a new fun gift for everybody. 
we have in the channel looking out for work-life balance and making it fun. So one of the teams noticed their manager was working too much and they set up a zap that pings the channel if the manager's still online when they shouldn't be. And it's like the manager name go home bot. It's hilarious. <laughs> um, one of the teams had a breakup last week over condiments, you know, <laughs> not literally, but yeah. <laughs> jokes about that. And the whole team has had a long debate about whether or not a hot dog is a sandwich. And we're just out there doing it in public and everybody's getting involved and it's funny. And don't get me wrong, like we're a sizable org, we're high volume, we're fast paced, we have a lot of work we need to get done, but we want to make sure we're having fun doing it. In addition to fun, there's the look out for each other when there's a crisis moment. It could be as simple as, I just got off of this difficult interaction with a customer and talking to your peers about it in Slack with compassion for the customer at all times. But there's other larger crisis moments we've been through as a team. So there were big wildfires on the West Coast a couple summers ago, and the company made sure that we were sending um, funds out to our individual cards so we could order food in and not go out in the smoke. But everybody was leaning in and asking, do, do I need to cover a shift for you? Do you need to go somewhere so that you can get to clean air? And we're just looking out for each other that way. We took a Friday off so that we could educate ourselves about racism in America. And I watched all the managers and team leads lean in and say, we can't just shut support down. Our customers may have a mission critical thing happening, but we're going to watch the queue for those mission critical things. You all, please go do what you want to do with this day and educate yourselves. And we've got you covered. Um, so it's about fun and it's about knowing when to have fun and when to lean in and, and take care of each other too. Okay. I love that. It seems like all four of those pillars are really just about kind of like you said, being authentic, being human, bringing your best authentic self to work, um, hiring great people that will, that will fit those values. Yeah. And yeah. You bring up a good point. Hiring for values is really important and weaved into our, to our interview process. Yeah. So how do you, I guess, how do you gauge that when you're interviewing? We've over the years, I mean, I can't take credit for this at all. We had some really strong values when I got here and they remain today. And we used to have a values-based interview. And then we've noticed over time that our interview process is getting too lengthy. And so now we've taken some of those value-based questions and we've weaved them into existing interviews. We're pretty serious about our interview process. We go through it and then we give examples of good answer or we ask the teams to say, was this an average answer, or below average, good answer, or great answer? And so we, and then we train everybody on how to interview. So we're, we're, con, we're pretty consistent in who we're hiring and making sure that they map to the values that are important to the team and the company and our customers. Okay. I'm curious, earlier, I think with pillar number two, you mentioned how you try to make the environment on your support team safe for people to make mistakes and learn. Yeah. So how exactly do you go about doing that? Well, growth through feedback being a value, we have a number of different methods. I would say um, as a hiring manager, when I'm hiring somebody or anybody else on the team, is one of the questions we ask in our initial one-on-ones is how do you like to receive feedback? Do you want it written? Do you want it verbal? Um, and also, if you're not making a mistake but doing really well, do you want public recognition? Because not everybody does. One of the other things we do is if an interaction doesn't go well with the customer, we don't escalate them. Even when asked to, we don't escalate and go get a manager involved. Now, if somebody wants a manager's help, we will definitely get in there and help them, but we don't take over the conversation. 
So if we see, I mean, I remember the first time I did a ticket and I refunded the wrong customer. I mean, think about that. (laughs) I sent somebody a refund and didn't send it to the person that needed it. And I was panicking. And I remember calling someone on the team, what do I do? And I reached out to both customers and I resolved it. We would do that same thing with anybody on the team is that's a mistake. It's okay. It happens. Take the steps to correct it and we carry on. And I think that that's a big part of it is not making anybody feel bad. Just learn from it and keep growing. Yeah. Kind of speaking of the pillars again, um, with pillar, pillar number one, you know, encouraging authenticity and, be, and bringing your best authentic self to work. How do you, as the leader of the support team, model that, encourage that on your team? Oh, it's really funny that you asked that question because I've come to find out that I'm an introvert by nature. But when it comes to team time or team meeting time, I can, I just, for some reason, set that aside. And I try to just show up as if I'm, and I get goofy, right? So we had a, we hit a milestone a few quarters ago. It was our best employee engagement score for the team that we'd ever seen. We totally blew it out of the water from a goal. And, and I don't, I think that has to do with the team always taking care of and looking after each other. So it's a big team celebration and we have a monthly team call and I don't know, it could be six o'clock in the morning for some people and just odd hours. But anyway, I was getting to that slide on the deck and I had a boa on and threw it around my neck and started blowing out the (laughs) the noisemakers that have the flappy things coming out of them. And there's a big, like the team is dancing on the slide And it was funny in that moment, I could see the faces like I've done something wrong as I was doing this, but I think the noise shocked them. And in a few seconds, then they all started to smile and laugh. So I think you need to, um, I think you need to demonstrate the vulnerability and the willingness to be in there and be goofy with the team. And it's not really a challenge when you're with a team that acts goofy a lot and is proud of it. We've got t-shirts that say keep support weird because we're proud oh, really? of it. Yeah. Nice. And then we tied, then the team took one out and we were at a retreat when we gave them out to the team and somebody ran out and bought tie-dye. <laughs> we tie-dyed them while we were at retreat. Just another, just another example. Yeah. Uh, now that's my kind of team activity. <laughs> <laughs> it was really fun. And mine came out in perfect colors. I love that shirt. Oh, nice. Love that. So I'm curious, what have been some of the results since, well, I guess not since you adopted this motto, but since you like really leaned into this motto of keeping support weird? Yeah, it's, um, you know, I could be cheeky about if I have to explain it, you wouldn't understand. But at the end of the day, what it was about was making sure that as we grow and we scale, that the team is coming along for the ride and that we're, you know, helping them develop in their careers and that they are engaged, which means they're engaging well with our customers. So we have the highest engagement scores in the company, the highest engagement score in the company, which is rare for support teams. And I think is also indicative of just how much Zapier appreciates and really understands the value of its support team. It's not just because we keep support weird. It's because Zapier at its core understands the value that the team brings. And we've had less than half the rate of attrition from the rest of the business which also is below usual benchmarks for our industry. So those are two things I'm probably most proud of here at Zapier and and of this team. And we do all of this while we keep our top line KPIs. We've got good response times. Our CSATs are good. Our commitments for the projects we say we're going to deliver usually better than goal. So we're serious about doing the business and then make room to keep support weird. 
but keeping both of those in balance is the key. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about that balance. How, I mean, how do you balance it all? (laughs) It took a while to figure some of that out, to be honest with you. Um, We didn't have clear expectations when I showed up. The team had grown a bunch, and but we hadn't really put parameters in place. So we worked with the team to figure out what parameters do need to be in place. That wasn't always easy. So we have set up like an hour of um, a set of hours. We expect everybody to be working in the queue, which then gives you a set of hours. You know, you have to work on special project time. Then you just have your productivity metrics that you're always going to measure to, whether that's Tickets closed per day, tickets resolved, replies per hour. For us at the time, and thankfully this has shifted, it's replies per hour. And then we looked at some data and tried to come out with the new replies per hour, and that did not go over well at all. <laughs> the oh, <no>. data was <laughs> wrong. We didn't roll it out well. Um, and so the I won't say the number, but the number that we were using that we thought should be the target will live in infamy. We actually make jokes about it now. So this is another good way to make support weird. Like that sucked in the beginning when I knew that we had blown that and it was a big deal. And then we had to back off and continue to take more feedback from the team to get it to where we needed it to be. But I'm not afraid to make jokes about it. It's a mistake that I made and I'm not afraid to point to it and be vulnerable and point out when I mess up. And I think that also helps everybody feel like it's okay to make mistakes. They let me make that one and keep going, you know, (laughs) and it was a big one. (laughs) But hey, you learned, right? <laughs> totally. And you should see today the metrics that they're generating themselves. We have new systems, we have new data, and I get tears in my eyes when I'm like, whoa, y'all really dug us out of the hole I created in my first year. Thank you for the progress. <laughs> uh, that's amazing. I, you know, I think sometimes we, I, or at least I hear mottos like keep support weird. I'm like, that's really cool. But how does that tie to actual results? How do you see that play out in real life? And it sounds like you and your team have seen very, very tangible, positive results. <laughs> we have. And Meredith, there's a lot, a lot of it has to do with collaborating with the team and transparency and getting feedback. Um, yeah, you have to be able to have clear expectations set before you can go have fun and keep things weird. Clear expectations are kind. Holding people to them is the kind thing to do. And they're really important for sustainable business sustainable business is important to your customers and sustainable business is critical to having jobs. So you have to have that be a part of it and then make room for being goofy and doing the fun stuff. And honestly, being, being comfortable, being vulnerable as a leader and having leaders on your team that are also comfortable being vulnerable is really important. I'm getting big Brene Brown vibes right now. (laughs) Well, I'll take that as a compliment. I haven't read anything of hers in a while, so it must be staying with me for a while. Uh, yeah, it. What you said reminded me not only of her her research on vulnerability, vulnerability and leadership, but also her quote. Um, what is it? I think clear is kind, unclear is unkind. Sort of reminded yeah. me. Of. <laughs> yeah, and I may have taken it from my earlier reading of hers, but that is spot on, and you you can sense it as a leader, when you know you're not being clear with someone and they're not making the changes that you want to hope that they will make, you can tell when you're out of line with what they're thinking they're doing and what you think, how you think they're doing. And you have to make sure that there's clarity on both sides of that. Mm -hmm. So how do you go about setting those clear expectations and then holding people accountable to them? I think the first thing is to develop a draft of what you think they might be and or ask your team for a draft of what they think they might be and then 
collaborating, experimenting, and figuring which ones they are. For us, it took a long time. We had to upgrade some of our systems to be able to get to a place of clarity. So for a really long time, there was one metric we were measuring, and it's not the one you want to run a support business on. So I had roundtables at an at one of our retreats and just had everybody come in and say, what's working well? What do you think needs to be improved? And a lot of ideas bubbled up about that. One example was, I don't want you to measure me, Pam, on how many replies I have in an hour. I want to know that after I fixed this app for a customer, it's working 30 days later. And I was like, that is it in a nutshell. And so from that conversation, we're starting to actually look at what is happening with this app after I help troubleshoot it. And what is the customer retention and does the customer grow after they interact with support? So I think the way that you get to those clear expectations is to not come in with a hammer and say, this is the way every support team's ever done it, or this is what I learned at a conference. Do the job with the team, understand what they're going through, listen to the team, get their feedback, and then align it with what you need to have done as a business and have a good feedback loop so that if you don't adopt one of their ideas, they know why and bring them along through the process. Yeah, sounds like a great way to not only get more buy-in, but to also teach teach your team about business processes and leadership. Yeah, exactly. And when that's the part that's fun for me now is watching the team develop the thing that I was trying to develop three years ago, but didn't have the data and didn't have the tools in order to do it. So we were giving it our best guess, but now to have this team that was like, no, don't do that, actually generating it themselves because they have the tools and the visibility. It's just a real highlight for us. Yeah, sounds like it. So I'm curious what advice you have for other support leaders who would like to make their teams a little more weird, a little more authentic, and maybe achieve these high engagement scores and low attrition rates. I think that it's really important And we've talked about this a little bit already. I think it's really important that you are, as a leader, are ready to show up as your best authentic self. And that's going to help your team be comfortable talking about the vulnerability, talking about the ability to point out and say, here's a mistake that I made um, is really important. It's also really important to be curious about your team, actively listening to them and looking for ways to let people know you see them. And you're not just looking at a cue and the tickets that they're doing or the conversations that they're having is really important. One of the things we do at Zapier is we allocate a celebration budget. So all of our um, teams have a set amount per person that they can spend on celebrations. They could have lunch. We also have virtual lunch budgets that we share so we can get together because we're a remote team. But the, but the celebration and gift budget examples that I've seen over the last three years have been really fun and interesting. A couple examples is it was one of the manager's birthdays recently and the team got together and ordered them a sweater for their parrot which means we see you, (laughs) we see your pets, and we know that you put sweaters on your parrot for a reason, and we would like to order one of these cute ones for you and ship it to you. So that was unique. (laughs) Um, Another time a manager had a pet die, and the team found out about it, and they ordered him a pet headstone to put in his backyard. I mean, those are just not gifts you usually see. set out to folks on the support team. It's just super thoughtful, but they see each other. And one of the teams, this was one of my favorites, celebrated a milestone. They all got together and they adopted an elephant and they all get updates on this elephant and they're funding its caretaking. So I think the point I'm trying to make is make sure that you're actively listening and observing your team and you know them as humans 
and then finding ways to let them know that you see them as humans and recognize them is really important. So how do you how do you balance taking the time to do all of that and making sure that you are really getting to know your team well and spending that time there while also still balancing the need to hit your your daily, weekly goals, metrics, and all of those other top-line KPIs? It's a tough balance, but I think it can be weaved in naturally with the job, right? So you've got a lot on your plate. You have a lot of things to think about, but show up in the moment with your team. You're meeting with your team. You're meeting with the leaders of your team. Active listening is, I don't think, uh, a skill we talk about enough in leadership And if I can't do something right now, because I have to run to three more meetings, I put it in my to-do list with a reminder. And the really important ones don't fall off. And time management is just really critical as a leader being in support. Make sure you carve some time out to think and to process and set expectations with the people that you're reporting into that you need to do that. Have a clear staffing model. This is my utilization rate. This is my expected volume. This is what it's going to take to get the job done as far as headcount goes. And if I don't get that headcount, here's what's going to happen to the KPIs. You need to be able to give the business that clear line of sight. Um, And in doing that, make room for yourself because otherwise none of this stuff is a reality. Yeah, I suppose similar to the concept of a happy support team equals happy customers, happy leader equals happy support team equals happy customers. (laughs) (laughs) That's really true. And we call each other out on that too. I think it's time for you to take a few days off. And I mean that with love. (laughs) And I call myself out on it. We really do look out for each other and work-life balance. And it's been different with the pandemic too. We worked from home before. We work from home now. But life is very different. And yeah, we just try to be a lot more flexible with each other as a team and with our teammates that if something comes up and you just need to step away, let us know and we will figure it out. Having flexibility turn, during times like this has been really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes makes all of work a lot more human, which I know I appreciate. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, I want to go back to the, the two results that you mentioned, um, having the highest in- team engagement score in Zapier and then having less um, or less than half the rate of attrition. Um, and I know that you said that that's, that's a common issue in support is that there's a lot of turnover, there's a lot of burnout. So how, I mean, what kinds of things are you doing in addition to those four pillars to, to achieve those results? Well, that changes from quarter to quarter. And it ch- actually, it changes from employee survey to employee survey, to be honest with you. We take our employee survey feedback very seriously. Some of the things that have come out of that lately are, you know, we get this time out of the queue to work on stuff that is career development, but I don't yet know how to take my pathway from here to user experience or product or marketing or engineering. Well, that's not true. We have an engineering path in place already. But what came out of it was we're making this investment to help them grow in their skill set, but we weren't making, it wasn't clear how to get from support to that next function in the organization. So we spent this last quarter building some of those pathways from support into other parts of the organization, and we will continue to do that and make them more formal. People need to feel like there's opportunity and we were investing in them so they'd be ready for the opportunity, but we weren't showing them how to get to the opportunity. 
And we also, Zapier is just a fabulous company to work for because we also um, got permission from our finance team that if someone needs to go from, if you're at a career level of three and you go to a marketing role or a product role, it's likely you'll start at an earlier career level because you're just getting started. So we've given those teams permission to open roles at that lower um, level without hitting their budgets too hard to create those opportunities for the team to move. The other thing it's interesting, it doesn't really affect everyone is you don't have to go into people management to grow your career. So we have two tracks. We have individual contributor career growth and we have man people manager career growth. An individual contributor means you're just getting better at your job and better and better as you go, but you still get rewarded and you can still get promotion through the cycle just as you would if you were moving through people leadership. Um, it doesn't go any faster. It's still just as hard because the company relies on you as a thought leader at about the same level as we would the different people leader levels. Zapier understanding that support is an asset and a brain trust and not a cost center is critical. And so that's not necessarily always in the support leader's hands. And it is hard to demonstrate if you don't have a senior leadership team that understands it. But look for ways to connect. Someone talk to support what is the behavior of them afterwards? Do they stay? Do they go? And likely you'll find they'll stay and they're doing more. Really trying to show the value that support adds versus it's a cost of goods sold. Um, but finding a company that just really understands that is important. <laughs> and we found one in Zapier. It's just been, that's not an, it's not a fight that I had to fight when I got here, which is why I chose to come work here because I knew they understood that. Yeah, I'm, you said you learned about Zapier's uh, motto about keeping support weird in the interview process, correct? Yeah. So I'm curious like, what went through your mind when you heard that. <laughs> I totally understand what you mean. There, you know, if you look, and all populations have this. So I'll think about, um, I don't know, I'll pick an example. Motorcyclists, Harley Davidson, if I have to explain it, you won't understand. I've worked in support so long that when they were saying keep support weird, that I knew what they meant. And other support organizations I've worked on, there's just a different flavor of I'm going to show up and be myself, whether it's because it's a, it's a group of musicians and improvists, or it's a group of people that live somewhere remotely and they're super proud. It doesn't matter. They just, we wear our hearts on our sleeves and we're just who we are when we come to work. And that's to me, a lot of what keep support weird means. I just knew what they meant. <laughs> yeah, so I guess in the context of those other examples, you know, each group has their own their own version of weird. Um, yeah, exactly. In your, in your mind, like in your words, what is support's version of weird? They're unsung heroes. They're unsung heroes. They take care of so many things for so many people. And... That's what they get up to do every day. I watched something happen on a social media channel years ago and I posted something about it or I just shared it. I didn't make an opinion about it. It was something somebody did in support that was pretty cool. And it was, there was a big public view of this thing happening. I won't talk about what the incident was. And all I did was post it. I don't remember what social channel I posted on. I didn't say anything. And someone that used to work on one of my teams just replied, not all heroes wear capes. 
And so that's what brings to mind support teams are unsung heroes. They do a lot of things and a lot of it isn't recognized because we're looking at numbers. We're looking at costs, even if you look at the value of it. But when you think about what a support person does all day long, it is take care of people and help them get to where they're going. And we'll never recognize every single interaction and every life that they've touched. There's no way we could. So they're unsung heroes. That was a beautiful quote. (laughs) 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 Oh, that was amazing. Um, Yeah, I love that. Um, Yeah, it just, it seems to me, like I'm coming kind of from the marketing side of things, but I have observed that interviewing support leaders for, for this podcast. Y'all are just one of the most empathetic, kind groups of people I have ever encountered. <laughs> yeah. I think that's why I stick with this business so much. I have a lot of sales experience too, and that's fun. Um, but su- support is probably where my heart will always be just because usually it's just that group of people who they're going to get it done and they love challenges, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, working with people, that's it's guaranteed to be a change. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, well, I think that's probably a good place to kind of sort of start wrapping this up a little bit. Um, generally speaking, what advice do you have for up-and-coming support leaders? <laughs> <laughs> do we have the afternoon? Um, <laughs> oh, there's a number of things. I think... Um, that thing that we talked about earlier on transparency and collaborative planning are really, I think, very important. Um, When I talk about wanting to throw a number up on the board that we had to hit and it falling flat wasn't a good example, but it also shouldn't be democratized. And there's a difference. So if you're starting with a smaller team or you're just starting in your career, or you're just getting started as a startup, there's a tendency to want to do, you know, let's make this decision together democratically. And I don't think that's the best thing that you can do because ultimately you will have to shift from needing to make decisions in smaller groups. So you have to pull away from that. So I would say transparent and collaborative planning versus democratized decision-making are really important if you're getting started. Get input, share your thinking as you design changes, remain open to feedback as you go. And then once those decisions are nailed down, close this loop and explain why certain things were not picked up. Then I think the thing that comes after that, that it's really good to start doing early is normalize on disagree and commit. Because ultimately, even if you explain your reasoning, not everybody is going to agree with the decisions that you've made or have to make. And I think one of the hardest things for leaders just getting started is if someone on your team cannot commit, don't be afraid to talk about that. Put it on the table. Don't be afraid to help them find a new direction for themselves. Don't let non-committers sow doubt by not addressing situations like that. That's what I see a lot of early leaders get caught up in and then get more concerned and anxiety builds. Be kind and be compassionate and find a graceful solution. And if that means they need to move on, that's okay. It's a really hard thing to do, but it will make all the difference for the culture of your team. And the earlier you learn to do that, the easier it gets. And the earlier you do it in your organization, the easier it gets for the team to accept that. Um, So it's really important, especially in environments of fast and rapid change in scale. And then share your own stories. Like I just did. Um, 
if someone is struggling, use what you learned on your own when you struggle to help them realize that they're not alone because we've all struggled and we shouldn't be afraid to talk about it. I love that. Tying it back to the vulnerability thing. (laughs) (laughs) Hats off to Brene again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, perfect. Um, Before I let you go, um, if any of the folks listening or watching, if they want to contact you or learn more from you, what's a good way for them to do that? That's a good question. So I'm really not on social media very much anymore. Um, LinkedIn is probably the best way to reach me in my profile on LinkedIn. Um, And I'd say email, but email gets lost so much these days because I live in Slack. So LinkedIn is the best way to find me for sure. That's all for this episode of Beyond the Q. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, please be sure to hit subscribe and rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you next time.